Welcome to Excel Radio with Dr. Nick Zarowski, where we talk with world-class entrepreneurs, executives, and health experts who have unlocked the secrets to Excel Health and performance. Hi, and welcome to Excel Radio. This is your host and high-performance expert, Dr. Nick Zarowski. In this episode, I'm going to be speaking with Brendan Ridings. Brendan Ridings and I are going to be discussing topics such as posture destroying your health, the secrets to aging gracefully, and how meditation can set you up for a day with much more success. Brendan brings a lot of knowledge to the table, and I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you, and welcome to the show, Brendan. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on the new Vision Excel podcast, and uh, hopefully I can share some really great information with uh, your listenership about you know, uh, being an entrepreneur and, and the health strategies involved to bring you to optimal performance and, and help anybody who frankly is, is listening to perform at their best every day. Hey, I have no doubt that you're going to deliver an incredible amount of value. So let's go ahead and start with this is that, you know, you talk about the American lifestyle causing a lot of health crises in many people's life. Can you elaborate on the lifestyle that Americans live and some of the issues that are coming out of that? Absolutely. So there's many facets to this question. So I'll start to break them down kind of uh, by category. Now, first, um, we, we call it the standard American diet, and, and the acronym is SAD, which it, it really is SAD. Um, so our diet is primarily based around – it's heavy in, in meats and uh, you know trans fats, uh, refined foods. We've really gotten away from uh, eating clean natural foods and we're finding so many health issues I mean the top killers in the United States heart disease stroke uh, diabetic related conditions are all directly a part of this so um, for instance uh, we're finding in the medical community that uh, inflammation chronic inflammation is actually the cause of most problems and disease states not necessarily a response to those disease states for instance um, you're eating a, uh, some type of food, uh, refined carbohydrate. It has a high glycemic index, uh, meaning it digests very rapidly and it causes a spike in your blood sugar and uh, you get a very strong insulin response from that. So uh, high blood sugar has an inflammatory effect within the body. Um, it's almost, uh, you could describe it as acidic. So let's say you're eating sugary foods uh, throughout the day and you're constantly elevating blood sugar. So you're increasing that uh, blood sugar throughout the day and it's creating this inflammatory response within the blood vessels, within the circulatory system. And this chronic inflammation leads to these blood vessels hardening. And some people may know this or may not, blood vessels assist in the circulation along with the heart. So if they lose that elasticity and that ability to contract and expand, you're going to make the heart work harder. You're going to make the whole system not function efficiently. So just this chronic inflammation from eating, like we said, the the refined foods, the high sugar foods, um, actually being reversed in our omega fatty acid intake. You know, uh, the typical American takes in more sixes, omega sixes and omega nines and lacks and omega threes, which are found in plant-based foods like walnuts or in fish, uh, fatty fish. So omega threes are very anti-inflammatory where omega six fatty acids, which are present in uh, steak, for instance, are highly inflammatory. Uh, so we're seeing that 
this chronic intake of these poor food choices are actually leading to inflammation throughout the body and this destructive inflammation is leading to disease states, not that it was previously thought the disease states were creating this inflammatory response. So we have to look at the standard American diet and there's lots of information of, of better ways to do this. But the biggest thing is to start reducing those uh, refined foods, uh, those boxed foods, those canned foods and start going for you know the fresh natural stuff. I'm sure everyone's heard it time and time again, but this is a really concrete reason to do so. Uh, when you go to the grocery store, shop around the exterior of the grocery store, not within the aisles, because in the exterior is where you're going to find the fruits, the vegetables, the fresh lean meats, things like that, that are going to uh, be much better for you in the long run, not just your body composition, but also in fighting these uh, chronic conditions and these top killers. Uh, in addition to that, we have to look at activity. Now, um, the, it's an inter- there's an interesting study that came out of the National Academy of Sports Medicine based in Arizona. They studied populations from Mexico versus the United States in lower back pain. And it was found that uh, in Mexico, people experienced 90% less lower back pain of the polled uh, populations. And this is due to uh, our technology here in the United States has made us much do much less movement. Uh, we're much more sedentary. We sit in a car to drive to our work. We sit at a desk and type on a computer. And then when we, at the end of that long, stressful day, quote unquote, we sit down in a, on a couch and watch television. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you look at um, some of these people overseas or, or say in Mexico, they are moving. Um, they are walking or riding a bicycle to work. They're working more labor. Uh, things like that. So they're finding not only less pain, but also obviously the United States is experiencing an obesity epidemic, which is a a risk factor for almost every disease type, including heart disease, stroke, diabetes, uh, even chronic wounds, which kill more people than breast cancer. So uh, it, it becomes a movement issue as well. And there's two prongs to this. Lack of movement obviously deteriorates the body. It reduces health. It increases body fat, uh, which is a risk factor for all disease states. And when you sit, current information, and I'm citing a study that uh, Dr. Kelly Starrett from Mobility Wads cites, is that sitting is now being linked more uh, to have a, a more of effect on uh, mortality than smoking. For instance, sitting for one hour reduces life expectancy about 21 minutes compared to smoking one cigarette, which reduces life expectancy about 11 minutes. Now, sitting, why is this so bad? So when you sit, you change the fundamental function of the human body in in various ways. And the first thing you do is completely shut down the glutes or, you know, your your butt. And then you're also stimulating the front of the leg, you know, those hip flexor muscles. So you start to change the biomechanics of the hips, which changes their Mm -hmm. position. You start to mess with the low back. You start to mess with the knees because now the pelvis is out of alignment. The spine becomes out of alignment. Um, The next thing that happens is you lose the ability to activate and breathe out of the diaphragm, out of the lower lobe of the lung. Now, 
you might not be noticing this, but pay attention right now while you're sitting listening to this podcast. Chances are you're you're in your car traveling home or to work or maybe just relaxing by your computer listening to this. Pay attention to where you're breathing. Are, are you breathing more out of your chest or are you breathing more out of your stomach? Does it feel lower? Because when you sit, you deactivate that lower lobe and you start to bring, breathe out of the upper lobe. Now, why this is problematic? When you breathe out of the upper lobe of the lung, that actually initiates the fight or flight response within the human body, which stimulates cortisol and adrenaline, you know, your stress hormones. So it gives a perceived state of stress that doesn't exist. And we all know chronic stress is terrible for you. And it also right. can change how your mind is functioning. So there's this, you know, the, all these problems coming together of poor diet, lack of movement, sitting, that are all wrapping into one to create these, these terrible conditions we're experiencing. And, and the final note on that, um, sitting in a hunched position can actually increase cortisol 30% and, and decrease testosterone about the same because uh, there was a study done by psychologist Amy Cuddy out of Harvard that showed standing with a powerful, uh, confident posture in two minutes can increase testosterone while decreasing cortisol and, and the opposite is true by sitting in a hunched over, you know, arms crossed, unconfident looking position, you're going to raise stress hormones and lower those confidence hormones. So that also has a negative effect on your health and well-being. Uh, so all in all, it's these activities we're performing on a daily basis that we don't think of as that bad or pay much attention to that are really at the root cause of all of our top killers. I mean, we have the most advanced medical science here in the United States, uh, yet we're suffering, uh, cancer rates have gone up, heart disease has gone up, stroke has gone up. Why is this? It's The medical profession isn't, they, they're doing their job, we're not doing our own job to take care of ourselves. Right, so that's, that's you know, that's all very, it's very interesting. I got a million questions off of everything you just said. So, you know, um, first thing is that, um, you know, the, when people are sitting, right, there's no way around the, the, the job that people have that requires them to sit at a computer all day. I mean, that's how people make a living. They feed their families that way. What are some of the things that people can do in order to actually, um, change the way that, uh, change the way that they're sitting at their desk or whether it's, you know, standing or if it's, you know, sitting there with a better posture, like what do, what do people do? Is it, you know, get up every 15 minutes? Like what are you, what are your suggestions? So I'll, I'll give you some strategies starting from the most simplistic all the way to obviously the largest behavior change the, so that somebody can take that first step. Um, the first rule of thumb is for every 30 minutes spent sitting, you want to walk for at least two minutes to get okay. circulation going. Um, to reactivate those glutes that have been sitting there dormant to be restorative to posture. And one little tip or trick that I would recommend is once you've been sitting for 30 minutes, if you can just remind yourself to stand up and walk around for two minutes, when you stand up, take a moment, and this will sound a little goofy, but it works extremely well, squeeze your butt muscles. Squeeze them, tighten them, and tense your abdominal muscles as best as you can so that you start to bring that pelvis back into proper alignment you bring that rib cage back down, your body's in good spinal alignment. You start to reset that position back to where it should be because sitting absolutely distorts how your spinal alignment is. Actually, most low back injuries, 
people feel them while being active, but the cause is because they've been sitting and they've tightened the, the front of that hip up, which attaches to that lumbar spine. The next thing that I would recommend doing is start to look at the arrangement of your desk. Um, I, I'm fortunate enough to have a standing, a sit to stand desk. I can move up and down, but let's say you have a regular sitting desk. Um, I, in the past at other places, I've put a, you know, a box or something underneath my computer to lift it up or uh, so that I can be at a standing position. If, if that's not available to you, check out the height of your monitor. Make sure that your head is not tilted down, that you're not looking forward and down, but rather lift the monitor up so that your head is in a more straight forward looking position that puts your, your cervical spine or your neck in a nice neutral position. Make sure that your keyboard is as close to the edge of the desk as possible and get your chair as close as possible so that you don't have to hunch over your keyboard to reach it. You don't have to reach too far forward and, and ultimately round those shoulders and, and sink over into that hunchback look. You can sit up straighter, be in a better position and, and maintain your, your lower lobe lung breathing and ultimately keep the upper body in better alignment. Um, you could take it a step further and, and there's, there's some wonderful posture support devices out there that are going to help teach you the, uh, you know, how to sit better, um, and, and sit with better posture. So you don't have to think about it so much that, I mean, it goes from, there's devices that give you a, a reminder. You, they're literally a wearable that you put on your body and it'll beep when you go into poor posture. If, if you're not the type of person that knows what good posture feels like, there are other devices that you simply sit against and the way that they're shaped kind of guides you into that good posture. So it's a small investment, but I think it pays large dividends in the you, long run. And you actually have some type of device that you have created. Is it a device or a system? What is it? So uh, what, what I've actually created, and this was in response to seeing so many people, they would come to me with shoulder injuries, uh, neck pain, tension in their shoulders that they would call. Oh, they would say, this is where I carry my stress, Brendan. And I'd say, unfortunately, we're not stress camels. We don't have a storage area for that stuff. You are chronically in a bad position that caused that muscle to tighten up. And when you get stressed out, you feel it because your nervous system gets stimulated by your stress hormones, which kind of activates that muscle and it tightens up even further when you're stressed out. Mm -hmm. So in response to that, you know, I, I spent an hour working with these people to reset their posture, to get their neck to relax and their shoulders to feel a little bit better and reduce some of their pain and aches between their shoulder blades. But then they'd come back the next day looking just as bad as the first day they walked in. And okay. I said, well, what did you, what did you do? And, mm -hmm. and, well, Brendan, I, I sit at a desk all day and I drive in a car and, and so I, I designed a product and it's called Posture PT and this stands for Posture Personal Trainer and it's very simple. If you look at most chairs, look at the back of the chair. First of all, it's kind of too far away from you. No one sits against the back of their chair anymore. They sit kind of forward in their chair uh, in order to reach their keyboard. So I made it a certain depth or thickness to push you forward in your chair so you could actually sit against the back of your chair while working. Okay. Uh, the second second thing that we took into, uh, into respect when we were designing this product was a lot of chairs, especially your car, if you look at it, it's described as a bucket seat, but the basic shape of that is called concave, right? So it's it's shaped, uh, it's concave, it's it's bent inward. And yeah, it kind of I mean, actually... 
I've found that the car seats are typically anymore. They're awful. I mean, in, even in most of the newer cars, the headrest actually like pushes your head forward, and it's just I, I don't know who who can possibly sit like that. Maybe the average person does. See, I'm very. Um, I, I watch my posture um, very well, and so you know when I sit in my in my vehicle, and the headrest is actually like pushing my head back. Like I can't even actually sit back in my seat and rest my head. It's actually it's horribly detrimental. If you sit all the way back in your car seat, you have a bucket seat which promotes the rounding of your shoulders forward. It yes. pushes your head forward. Yep. Now I get cradling you for a high performance vehicle, but none of us are are flying around in our cars taking sharp turns. It's just completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. So actually, that's what inspired this. I was driving. Uh, down to Tennessee and I was on my way to I used to compete in powerlifting I was on my way to a competition and I kept sitting forward but at the same time trying to pull my shoulder blades back and sit with really great posture and and after two or three minutes you kind of lose the cognition of that you're not paying attention anymore and you slouch without even realizing it and I just looked at the seat I'm like man you know what what if this seat was convex instead of concave so Mm -hmm. the exact opposite shape so what I did was took a foam roller. I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with a, a just it's a roll, a six inch diameter foam roller for your legs and whatnot mm-hmm. to loosen them up. And I cut it in half lengthwise and stuck it behind my back. And it was perfect. It, it when I sat against it, my shoulder blades rounded around it. So they went back. And when your shoulder blades get pulled back, you notice your head also retracts back to neutral position. So I felt really good and I could maintain it without thinking about it, which is exactly what I needed. So. I actually started making them for my clients at the time who needed help just by hand and later on was approached and we turned this into a product because if, you know, at least half of the people I was working with needed this, more people were going to need it. So essentially the design is uh, it's about 21 inches tall, about six inches in uh, diameter and it's it's shaped in a convex shape so when you sit against it, your shoulder blades round around it and it attaches to your car seat, your uh, chair at work or some people even use it in their couch um, you know for more information or pictures or even videos you can check out confidentposture.com and see exactly how posture PT works uh, but that was what I created that I felt could really help this situation yeah. that I saw so often right yeah I'm gonna have to check that out I'm not uh, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent familiar with it uh, you know um, but uh, it sounds like it's it's what is needed for a lot of people. I mean, I've I've used like lumbar rolls and and other things like that. But yeah, you know, when you were talking about actually bringing those shoulders back, you know, it makes a lot of sense with what you did. How you actually, you know, started by cutting the foam roller in half and getting those shoulders back. And 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 like you said, I know um, just from experience, um, you know the uh, seats in the cars they're terrible and you need something out in there if you especially if you drive a lot um, because I have patients who you know they're working on their posture working on their posture but let's say you know if they're a salesperson and they're just spending a ton of time in their car it's like we can we can work on them to, the, to uh, you know the end of the day and uh, if 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 what they're doing on a daily basis is is just driving that problem then um, you know it, it's it's hard to it's hard to help them really so yeah, um, an hour an hour a day of you fixing them doesn't repair the many many hours they spend sitting in poor position. Yeah, so it's you know something like that is is uh, very necessary. Um, so I'm going to have to look into that a little bit further. Um, you know, 
Uh, I got a question for you based on what you had said earlier. I'm jumping way back to the beginning when we first started talking. And, you know, you're talking about diets a lot and how the poor uh, – it's our poor lifestyle, our poor diet that's causing so many issues. Now, what kind of diet do you suggest? Because there's tons of diets out there. What kind of diet are you suggesting in in seeing uh, work well with people? So – what I suggest, I don't, I don't give a particular diet prescription necessarily. What I say is um, I just try to give some recommendations so that people start seeing the small changes that occur from this. So what I'll typically tell somebody when they approach me is I'll say, all right, listen, the first thing I want you to try to do is replace anything that you eat out of a box Let's just go for the fresh foods first. I don't try to overwhelm them with weighing the food or portions at first. Just get those better choices and eliminate three particular food groups. Dairy, uh, take out your your wheat-based or gluten-based foods and take out uh, legumes or, or beans because those are typically the ones that create more dietary problems than other groups of foods. And then what okay. we do, I say reintroduce one at a time reintroduce each of those groups one at a time because I'm not going to be one of those people that says, oh, you can't eat wheat because there's too much of this gluten intolerance uh, misunderstanding out there or that dairy is definitely bad for you. I mean, obviously, there's there's a lot of information to show us that dairy is not optimal for human beings. But once again, you know, I believe that the individual needs to explore this a bit. And then uh, we take all three of those groups out, reintroduce one, see how your body reacts, and then and then eliminate it, reintroduce the other one, see how the body reacts. And do this experimentation just a week of each one. And you'll start to see really uh, what foods affect you and, and significantly. And I'll give you an example. Um, I personally went on to a strict paleo diet. Um, I was already familiar with uh, portioning my food, and so I just used that as my food choices. And I eliminated, obviously, wheat and dairy and uh, legumes, but I reintroduced dairy at one point. And immediately, as soon as I ate one yogurt, I was lethargic. That night, I slept an extra hour or two. Um, I I, I just was bogged down. I immediately found out that dairy was something I could no longer put in my system, but I was unaware that it was causing problems until I removed it. Right, exactly. You know, one of the things I do with people is I run um, some specific uh, lab testing in order to look for sensitivities. And so when we find those sensitivities or those foods that their body just doesn't agree with based on their DNA and, and, and you know, their particular health, um, I have them remove it. And this is the same thing. You know, it, it could be people getting headaches or, or, or skin irritations or um, like you said, cr- uh, chronic fatigue and, and you know, or, or they find that their, their gut just is um, not feeling well all the time. And so um, many people, they just live and that's just what they think life is. Like that's the way you're supposed to feel and that's the way it is. But, you know, in fact, once we remove those foods, um, just like you're talking about doing, um, you know, it's it's one of those things that uh, people really they they feel different and they realize that uh, you know they're they're not supposed to walk around feeling bloated all the time or or whatever the case is. So, um, you know, the the method that you're using to do it um, is as good as any. If there's um, particular foods that you think you should already be looking to uh, pulling out of your diet because, um, well, for one, it'll save you a couple bucks, but, um, you know, two, there are things like you mentioned, like dairy and wheat and they're just the, the major things that people are sensitive to. 
Absolutely. That's a great starting point. And, and then you start to get an idea uh, of the functioning of your body. And a lot of people, when I first say this to them, like, well, Brendan, I really love cheese and I, I love this and I love that. And I said, I, I understand that. But just wait until you see how good you can feel. And in my own experience, uh, by dropping these particular foods that were I was particularly sensitive to, I reduced my sleep quota to about five and a half or six hours a night. Um, not, not, you know, alarm isn't required to wake up. I wake up energized after five and a half to six hours feeling great. And for me, that's a huge benefit. I don't think there's one person out there that wouldn't love to sleep five and a half, six hours and feel great all day long. Uh, it, life kind of necessitates that at this point in time. So there's these huge benefits. And the other thing that people don't understand is food is hugely influential of neurochemistry. So you may put something in your mouth that's pleasing to your taste buds, but as soon as it goes down your throat, it is no longer advantageous or beneficial for you. Mm-hmm. So you're, literally your only benefit is, is the tongue. The rest of the body suffers for it. Yeah, and I, right. tr- I, okay. I try to teach people, I say, listen, by eating the right foods, you are going to have a more optimal neurochemistry. And literally, this is what's responsible for your feelings of joy, well-being, and motivation is how balanced that neurochemistry is. And I give people this example all the time. I say, have you ever been in a, a blah mood and you drank a big old cup of coffee and then you felt pretty good afterward? All you did was stimulate a bunch of dopamine. And dopamine is the body's you know, reward chemical. It, it's, it tells you you've done something good. It uh, produces feelings of motivation and joy and um, you know, so you just, you just tweaked your, your neurochemistry. Well, now if you produce, if you do these good habits, if you're eating good foods, your body will optimize that neurochemistry and you're going to have an overall better function, better outlook. Your, your whole outlook is, is pretty much determined on your, you know, what your neurochemistry is like, and that's in your hands. Uh, it's controllable through through habits like meditation, exercise. It's controllable through dietary practices, so you can optimize it and feel amazing for no particular reason. Mm-hmm. That's that, yeah. That's interesting. You know, when when you think of food, I I really think that so many people just their their emotions or their you know or maybe it's just whatever's next to them. They just grab it and they eat that way. Um, and I think it's strongly driven on like the what they feel is good or what makes them what what makes them feel good or feel happy but you know you really have to think about food as it's fuel to your system it is the it's it's what you're literally putting in your body for your body to you know create new cells and and nourish itself so you know you have to get past the like oh well i think you know donuts make me feel good but you have to really think about what your body needs and feed yourself according to the needs that you have. And, um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, a certain vitamins and nutrients that you need, you know, you really need to feed yourself according to that versus just um, what you think is good at the time or what's easy, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, for those people facing that struggle of going, well, you know, when I eat this donut, I feel really good. The really good that you experience off of those types of foods is extremely temporary. We do know that high sugar, high fat foods stimulate the same centers of the brain as a dose of cocaine. Uh, we know that it's addictive in that in that property. We know that it's very temporary and fleeting, those good feelings. But people seek out those quick fixes often for these, these you know, if they're not feeling so good, they'll reach for that donut. And 
very temporarily, they feel better. They're enjoying themselves. They're having a pleasurable experience. Well, my challenge to them is, what if you could make your baseline feeling that way all the time? Mm -hmm. And what they don't realize is that doing these good habits can stimulate, like for instance, exercise and meditation are the only two proven methods that can cause the release of dopamine and simultaneously open the receptors that dopamine act upon. Mm -hmm. So um, foods can't do this, drugs can't do this. That's why when you start drinking coffee, you have to drink more and more just to feel the same way. And you know, people are putting down a pot a day and they're just dehydrating their body and leaching it of water soluble vitamins. Uh, all to try to achieve, uh, uh, particular, why, why do we drink coffee? Why do we drink uh, regular coffee instead of decaf? Oh, well, we get that caffeine buzz. We get that dopamine release. Well, with the right nutritional habits, with exercise, and, and like I said before, meditation, they have proven that it will release dopamine and open the receptors. So your body becomes more sensitive to its own dopamine. You feel those good feelings. And you don't have to put any of the garbage in. We are our bodies are set up to do this. It's just we're trying to find a quick, easy route to do it rather than just taking a little bit of discipline. And if you do these habits for one week, you'll start to see the benefit. It, it doesn't take long. Absolutely. No, I agree with you 100%. So um, go ahead and give that a try and uh, see see how it changes your body. I think that you're going to find that it's uh, it's incredible how well you can actually feel and and uh, the energy that you can have and um, how many things that you might how many health concerns and conditions that you might think that you have to live with that just disappear. You know that's another big thing is that you know these things might just disappear and you're and you're wondering like how how could I have not done this earlier? It's just such an easy fix. So, Brendan, the next thing I want to jump into with you is aging, how to age gracefully. Because one of the things you also talk about is that, you know, so many people face a lot of health issues as they age. And many people just think that's part of aging. I mean, they're in their 50s and they're, you know, they can um, – you know, uh, they they, don't, they they can barely run. They barely have any energy. They're starting to gain weight, and they're starting to develop all these chronic conditions. And one after another, then comes one medication after another. You know, what do you what do you say to these people who just think that aging um, and 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 experiencing more and more health issues is pretty much um, just part of the way of the that that life works. <laughs> So unfortunately, this has come as influence through the medical community uh, that uh, a lot of physicians push this idea. Not all. I, I won't blanket them, blanket them and say that they all say this, but it does unfortunately come from them. Um, there's a, there was a funny joke I heard one time where an older man, he's 75 years old, went into the doctor because his shoulder hurt and was asking the doctor, oh, what's wrong? What can I do about it? And the doctor says, well, you know, you are 75. And the guy looks at him and says, well, my other shoulder doesn't hurt and my, that shoulder is 75 years old, so that can't really be the answer. So, you know, um, people just assume that the body deteriorates, that it falls apart with time. Is so, I mean, I've heard people in their 30s and 40s be like, oh, I'm just getting older. This is not the case whatsoever. Um, just to cite, uh, you know, once again, Dr. Kelly Starrett, he, he cites that the human body, the skeletal system and joints and ligaments and all that, can will sustain themselves for 110 years. Um, 
under normal to even athletic use if aligned properly, if the body is all in proper alignment and proper care is taken of it. Uh, what people fail to take into um, consideration is that it's not age, it's the amount of time that they have done abusive activities to their body, including poor nutrition, lack of exercise, lack of understanding how much their posture affects them and, and not taking care of these things, you know. So it's just an inevitable consequence. It's actually happening faster and faster. I'm sure you hear about younger and younger populations coming to you complaining of things that were never present in these young populations like low back pain, um, stiffness or pain in joints, things like that. And we obviously we see child onset diabetes happening. It used to be adult onset. Type 2 are happening to children. So we can see that it's not age related. It's, yeah. it's lifestyle related. It absolutely. absolutely is. It just catches up. And uh, I'm actually, uh, I'm, I'm producing a, a, an ebook and it's essentially an, an online training guide for people to correct all their chronic pain and posture. And my demo model is a 73 year old woman who had two torn rotator cuffs that by simply learning the alignment of her upper body and training accordingly healed, no surgery, no physical therapy because the body got back into alignment and she can move better than most people in their 50s because of maintaining these types of things. So I, I, my big message to people is age is not a reason. It's not a reason to give up and say, oh, well, I'm just this age so I have to accept the fact that my knee hurts or it's inevitable that I'm going to have to get this surgery. That is, that is uh, you know, surgery makes a lot of money but uh, proactive solutions do not. So, of course, answers are going to go that direction. Um, but take the time to, to learn a little bit about these subjects and you can reduce and remove all pain. And I can't wait to show everyone my model Liz running around doing squats and jumping jacks and push-ups at 73 years old. And she's not an anomaly. She's just taken care of herself and made it a priority to be fit and eat well. So absolutely not. Age has nothing to do with it. It's all about how you take care of yourself. Oh, I agree. One of the things we actually on our website, we actually have a a um, a uh, article. Um, one of our blog articles is about uh, you know when you're on a cell phone and how to uh, how to have proper posture if you're looking at your cell phone or you're texting because you know when you talked about the younger population having this these issues, um, it's the younger population who is uh, getting um, lower neck degeneration. And so we see that a lot. You know, they just get chronic neck pain, chronic neck pain, and, and they don't know why. But, you know, here they are um, texting hours a day and, you know, flipping through Facebook. And, you know, I, I find that kids anymore typically have smartphones at a really young age. You know, I didn't have like – I had like a flip phone at like 17, you know. So, um, <laughs> so you know, kids are getting uh, smartphones at a really young age and they're spending a lot of time on it. And I think uh, probably – uncontrolled amount of time um, that their parents aren't aware of but it's causing a lot of issues for them so at a very young age it's 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 driving that degenerative process um, it, which is causing a whole bunch of biomechanical issues because you know when you were talking about rotator cuffs and and um, it's important to note note that when somebody loses that proper posture the biomechanics of the human body do not work 
work like they're supposed to. The 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 shoulders, yes. the, the scapula, they, they don't glide like they're supposed to. Um, you were talking about the shoulders becoming rounded. All of these things, the, the, the bones up in the shoulders, the clavicle, um, the scapula, they are all meant to work a certain way when in a certain position. When, but when the shoulders are rounded and you no longer have that proper positioning, they aren't designed to work anymore. And so people come in and they, you know, they have all these concerns. Um, they come to you um, with these concerns as well. And um, when they do that, you know, it's, it's, you, you got to straighten up. You have to straighten up. Otherwise, um, in, in many times, um, like you had mentioned, um, if somebody has the unfortunate um, uh, has the unfortunate um, experience of walking into the wrong office uh, or healthcare practitioner office, you know they might be just doing surgery on that shoulder, and it could be a, a simple um, you know biomechanical issue where you're just working with them to straighten up. You're 100% right. And I'm going to, this is my own statistic. I'm not citing anything. This is my own experience. But in 19 out of 20 people I work with, and I've worked with over a thousand clients uh, resolving different types of chronic pain that were all based in biomechanical issues, 19 out of 20 of them, it was just a poor postural alignment, poor static movement. Their bodies had been malaligned from spending many hours sitting, not realizing they're in poor posture. They don't know what good posture even feels like and all these issues coming from it. And, and actually, I was laughing when you brought up the, the thing about children and their necks. They've coined a phrase for it now. It's called tech neck. Uh, this this forward head, you know, rounding that cervical spine, which actually mm-hmm. straightens it out, uh, causes all these issues. But people don't realize um, what poor posture actually causes. Now, I, I like to I like to use an analogy of a car to make this easier to understand. Now, if you have a vehicle and a vehicle has poor alignment, just like the alignment of your body, if you have this poor alignment, you're driving your vehicle or using your body, those tires are going to wear down quickly and unevenly, correct? So the tires are just like the joints. It's the moving part of the car, just like the joints in your body. Now, if you replace that bad tire with a new tire, are, are, are you really fixing the problem or are you just kind of masking it the way a surgery would? If, if you don't actually fundamentally fix the alignment of that car, you're just going to wear that new tire right back down. And the same exact thing happens with the human body. The, uh, you know, let's say someone's, uh, I'll give an example of a knee. Uh, I see this all the time. People have knee pain and like, well, I, uh, you know, the, the cartilage is worn down. I need surgery. But when they, when they squat down, their feet turn out, their knees knock together. They are no longer using their glutes when they squat. Uh, they are using all adductors and hip flexion and quadriceps to do their squat, placing tremendous amounts of stress on the knees. Uh, completely misaligning how the joint is supposed to function rather than putting the weight load on the hips themselves and causing these problems. And it's, you know, a simple uh, mobilization and stretching of those, you know, uh, the muscles in the inner thigh, those adductors, the hip flexion muscles and the quadricep muscles can make a huge change in knee pain within a matter of a week or two. Um, So it's, it's just people aren't, privy to this information the way they should be right and don't realize because they go into their physician who is not and once again i'm not going to step out and say this is all of them but not all of them are trained to 
look at injuries this way. They are treated, they are taught to assess and diagnose the site of pain. But you and I both know that the site of pain and the source of pain are two different things. Absolutely. So when you talk about aging gracefully, then, you know, that's one of the things that you discuss quite a bit, then is it really relates back to posture again? Is that what I'm is that what I'm understanding? I feel in my experiences that posture is one of the key aspects of maintaining good health. Because uh, I find that while eating good, eating healthy is, uh, is extremely important. If your body hurts, if your joints hurt and you become, um, you lack mobility, uh, you're, you're not moving around as much, that sedentary lifestyle tends to be a snowball effect of other problems. You start making worse choices. The, the active mobile person is also seems to make better choices. Um, I, I, don't, I can't speak to the psychology of that, but it's, it seems to be a snowball effect. So I've based a lot of my lifestyle alterations in focusing on posture so that this person can feel really good. Because when they feel really good, their back doesn't hurt anymore, their knees don't hurt, uh, their shoulders aren't giving them pain, they aren't getting chronic headaches. Well, then it's easier to, uh, when your head hurts, you wanna, you know, you're gonna go for a comfort food because you're just in pain, you don't care. Or when your back hurts and you can't move around, you tend to go for, like, oh, man, I, I don't feel like moving around right now, and, and I want something that's going to make me feel good right here, right now. And what's that going to be? A bad choice in food. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I think it's so key to figure out a little bit about how your posture needs to be aligned and take five minutes every day just to do some some gentle stretching and, and mobilizing of the body to feel better. Now, you know, uh, if you don't understand how the body works and the, and the mechanical function – Get a little guidance on it because it'll make your efforts significantly better and more productive than if you just start doing yoga when your body's all messed up anyway. You're not going to move well as it is. Yeah. And what we can do actually is there's a couple things we'll do for this episode. Um, We'll make sure that we uh, post a couple uh, different exercises. We'll post a link, um, a couple exercises to help with posture. Um, We'll post that um, in the uh, show notes. We'll also make sure we post a link to um, Brendan's uh, Posture PT um, so that uh, you can check that out as well. Um, and, and, And then we can also link up some of the other blog articles that I've done on proper posture. Um, so it's, that way you have a lot of resources beyond this episode to, to help you out because, um, because I think that uh, it's a big deal for a lot of people, and I think that it's not just it's not just something that you fix and you and you walk away and, and you spent a day doing it and then you walk away and everything's good. It's something that like you have to put in front of you every single day in order to help you. If you're working and you have a desk job, you got to have that in front of you every day in order to make sure that um, you're not just falling falling into this slumpville and your shoulders around it and and um it, because what happens is after you sit at your desk you know i'm sure that for most people who are trying to um pay attention to their posture they they start off with this great straight posture and then from there it just slowly it just slowly falls to pieces and they get more and more into what they're doing and next thing you know they're hunched over and they're destroying their 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 back their spine their shoulders and everything else so uh, we'll post all that stuff um, in the uh, show notes now the next topic I want to 
ask you about quickly because it seems to be a topic that a lot of people are really interested in and that is the topic of meditation. What do you have to say uh, and what are your thoughts on meditation? Uh, I could spend an entire hour on this, but I won't <laughs> for this. It, it's, um, it's one of the most I've derived more benefit from meditation than almost anything else I've done. You know, exercise has been a wonderful part of my life um, from an early age. But uh, meditation has yielded so many other benefits that you don't really, you can't speak about them as much because they sound outlandish until you start, when you have them yourself, you're like, oh, wow, this is amazing. But from a purely scientific standpoint, uh, I won't go into, I'll go into some experiential, but from scientific standpoint, um, there's research to show, like I said earlier, that meditation is one of the actions or vehicles that can stimulate that feel-good neurochemical dopamine, uh, the same chemical that if you you know you did a very strong stimulant, your body would experience, and open the receptors that it acts upon, so it never gets downregulated. You always feel good from it. Um, the next thing scientifically that's supported is that. Uh, there was a study at the University of Kambator in India done with a particular meditation called Shambhavi. Um, and it was uh, conducted by the Isha Yoga Institute uh, over there in India. And participants who were practicing this particular practice of Shambhavi, it's a 21-minute meditation, I actually do it myself, uh, we're experiencing about 20% activation of their brain as opposed to the average 10% uh, psychologists estimate. So they were uh, almost doubling current brain capacity. But it wasn't just uh, in, in modes of thinking or cognition. Areas of uh, emotional centers and, and other centers of the brain were lighting up more. Um, areas that uh, th that are responsible for you know, uh, fear or, or some of the, some of the negative, I can't speak exactly on the, uh, the anatomy of the brain, but it was showing that certain areas lost density that were more responsible for negative, uh, types of emotions and actions and areas that we want, uh, gray matter increased in density. So it, it literally changes the physiology of the brain to make you, um, less emotionally reactive, uh, to make you, more joyful for no particular reason. And um, the, I mean, that's the scientific side of it. Uh, in, in my own experiences, it's it, what it starts to do is reduce your reactivity to situations around you. And most people don't realize how reactive they are. Uh, for instance, something happens to you and it, it invokes an emotion, right? And then you act upon that emotion. Uh, but, you know, in a logical, to put this in logical terms, if I was to come up and, and, and call you, uh, insult you and say some name to you, and then you in turn got mad, uh, isn't that like a certain form of control that I have over you? If I can say something and create an emotional response, a chemical response within your body, right. I have a certain level of control over you. And I have found the practice of meditation breaks that where situations externally start to become separate from your internal situation and you start to realize that this internal situation is actually 100% up to you and it's uh, it's a great intellectual realization but the experiential part that comes with practice and over time is just such an amazing benefit so 
when I walk into a, you know, as an entrepreneur having started a business, uh, I'm sure you've heard the term before, the entrepreneurial roller coaster. Some days it's amazing and you, you're like, there's no other life for me. And other days you're like, my gosh, why don't I just go get a job like everyone else and not have to worry about all this stuff and right. clock, clock out and be done with it? Yep. You know, you have those. And this has been a, a very uh, potent tool for me to keep my head on straight when things get tough. And also when things get good, not to become, you know, overly confident or too joyful that I make brash decisions. So it, it really helps you see just what you need to see. And, and I'll, I'll speak to actually a business partner of mine who has participated in meditation. One thing that makes him so successful in his business is when situations come up, good or bad, he doesn't react to the situation. He looks at the situation extremely objectively, able to remove his own emotions, even though it is his business, and come up with the best solution possible. And I think one of the most powerful tools to achieve that ability is to, to be able to just see a problem for what it is and handle it the best way possible, is to keep those emotions in check. And meditation is the tool to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I feel that a lot of people don't really understand emotions. You know, there's some people who are just like literally driven by every emotion that comes to them. If it's anger, if it's happiness, if it's frustration, you know, they're, they're just literally the, every decision they make, they're driven based on that emotion. Where, you know, um, it was funny that you that this all came up because I was having a conversation um, recently, and I and I had told somebody, I said, you know, I I don't think that. Um, I said, for me, emotions are just things, you know, I look at them, I, I, you know, observe, you know, what they are, I um, kind of analyze them. And then I, I, you know, sit there and think about what to do about it. But I don't, you know, emotionally react to, um, to pretty much anything, you know, I, I, I look at emotions as things and like things that you can, you know, look at them and analyze them and have a little bit of fun with them and, and, and understand them for what they are and then re react accordingly. Um, but, uh, no, not just, uh, you know, and, and I understand how you're saying meditation actually helps you step back from that and, and, and look at everything in life from a different perspective because you have, uh, more calmness of mind or more peace of mind, I guess. Is that, is that kind of where, the, where you're going with it? Yeah, I'm d definitely that. And, and I also want to emphasize to people listening, you know, when you say that you're not reactive to emotion, people are like, well, that's, they're emotionless. That's not a good thing. And that's not what it is. It's no. more so the ability to feel these things. So you can enjoy them, but they, they rather than dictating your actions, they just become part of the experience, but they don't decide how you act. And it, you, it's, it's like uh, putting flavor on your food. It, it, makes, it makes the experiences more juicy. Uh, it makes them more flavorful. But uh, once again, it, it's, it's not going to influence the ultimate decision that you make. You can now just enjoy the emotions and, and see the relevance of them. Because let's be honest, if you truly look at emotional responses. Emotions have all kinds of influences. It, it has, you know, your upbringing, your, your education, your religious belief, your culture, all these things can dictate the way you view, perceive, and therefore reaction or emotionally react to situations around you. But does that make your emotional response the correct emotional response or a relevant one? Are your emotions truly relevant to the situation around you or is it just how you feel you don't have an omniscient perspective 
on the situation. So are they really to your benefit or should they be just more enjoyable? Like, hey, I can feel these things. It's a good feeling or, oh, it's a bad feeling and it helps you define good situations versus bad ones. But we shouldn't necessarily react to those feelings because they're not necessarily uh, a good guiding tool as to proper decision making. We know highly emotional people don't often make great decisions. Right, exactly. That doesn't mean, yeah, that doesn't mean you're an insensitive jerk. That's not what that means at all. Like you said, you know, the way I look at, you know, things that happen, let's say, for instance, a car accident, right? In most people's mind, that's a terrible thing. However, you know, it's really the emotion you attach to it, you know, so, you know, no matter what that thing is that happens, it's just a thing. You can either put a positive emotion to it or a negative emotion. You could take that car accident. You could say, well, you know, I learned not to do this. And I, now I, now I, now that I know that what I did wasn't, a, a, a you know, an intelligent thing, um, I can tell other people and I can help them so they can avoid the situation I was in. Or you can look at it as in, oh, you know, that, that moron who hit me and, you know, blank this and blank that, you know, there's two ways you can look at any situation. So it's really things happen, you can attach a positive or a negative meaning to it. And then that emotion is up to you uh, to decide. And you know what, the way I look at it is that, you know, things are going to happen all day long. So, you know, you can decide whether you want to be really happy or really miserable. And so those emotions that you're going to use, you know, it's really up to you. You're 100% right. And now let's look at just what's most beneficial uh, rather than how somebody feels. What's the most beneficial way to react to a situation? Is it to yell and scream and blame the other driver and, and all that? Or is it to say, all right, what went wrong in that situation? What could I have done to prevent it, make it better? What can I take away from this situation and give to others to make sure they don't experience it? And how am I going to not experience this in the future and and what you're basically the way you're talking sounds a lot uh, sounds a lot like stoicism and uh, which I think is a wonderful tool that people can apply on a daily basis I don't know do you ascribe to any stoicism or, or read anything uh, of, of those teachings at all you know no not really I don't know well you sound just like one it's uh, the ba <laughs> the basic idea is that there are just situations, not good or bad, because that is our own creation, this good or bad pers okay. uh, perspective, that there are just situations. Now, a situation has two given outcomes. Either it is a situation that perpetuates your actions, it, it promotes your actions and pushes what you're trying to do forward, or it impedes your actions or it, it, it somehow it's, it's a, a negative towards what you're ultimately trying to do with your life. But in turn, it's a learning opportunity. It's a chance to essentially sharpen the axe. Uh, to give you an example of this, uh, a famous Stoic was Thomas Edison. Uh, one night, he had come home from work with his son, and the you know they lived in a small town. and And I'm trying to quote the story as best as possible. I might slip up a little bit, but uh, the the insurance, the local insurance guy, comes running over and you know is pounding on the door and says you got to come outside, your, your place is on fire. So they run down and he looks at his factory and it's burning all these different colors because there's all these chemicals inside of it. And the irony of the situation is he did not insure for fire because the building was supposed to be fireproof as it's burning down. So he turns to his son and uh, at this time the, the, the media has already shown up and, and everyone already knows about it. And he turns to his son and he says, go get your mother and all her friends. They'll never see such a grand fire again. And people were shocked at his reaction. And they go, how are you not losing your mind right now? And he said, you know, I faced many difficult situations in my life before like this. And I find 
These are the situations that drive a man, that awaken a man. Um, otherwise, if things go too well for too long, you settle for ennui, or basically you become comfortable and complacent. You, you're not driven to constantly improve. And the funny thing is they had been doing about a million dollars in revenue out of that factory. Um, he got the place up to about 50% capacity in three weeks, and in six weeks they were at 100% capacity again. And that year, they did $10 million in revenue. So he came back reinvigorated by facing a challenge, getting better, overcoming it, and continuing on his path. And uh, an amazing resource to, to bring this into modern perspective is a book by Ryan Holiday called The Obstacle is the Way that takes ancient Stoicism like uh, Marcus Aurelius and some of those Stoics out of uh, the, the Greek era and brings it with a modern touch. And I think it's just a wonderful perspective. And basically, that's what you're describing right now without even knowing it, it sounds like. Yeah, it sounds like it. Well, it's awesome. And thanks for sharing that story. That was that was really – that was a good story. I liked it. Um, but, uh, well, Brendan, it's been incredible having you on the show. Um, it was uh, – um, you know your wealth of knowledge, and, and not only I but the listeners also appreciate you uh, coming on and sharing that uh, information with us. Um, how are a couple ways people can get a hold of you if they want to reach out to you? So we are about to launch a podcast in the next few days called the Preventative Podcast dot com. Uh, you'll be able to log on to that site, and we'll have various resources of information available, as well as my contact. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me right here, right now, uh, you know I'm I'm happy to give out my email address, uh, which uh, you know. Well, you can put in the show notes. Uh, I'll share with that uh, later on, so that people don't have to remember it while they're driving. Awesome. And um, you know, we I do offer you know consultations one on one if people are interested in assessing their their chronic pain and things like that. So all these things you can check out. And and, and I want to remind everybody to to jump on the show notes after this to check out all your posture articles because I can't tell you how many people's lives have changed by learning a very simple techniques to change their posture and how much it reduces pain and changes hormones and breathing and therefore oxygen in the body so your energy gets improved your outlook gets improved all these things so check it check out the show notes just for that if nothing else and uh it'll really be helpful to you so uh check us out at preventivepodcast.com or find us at confidentposture.com to take a look at our product uh, posture pt as well Cool, Brendan. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing that information with you, and uh, maybe we'll have to have you back on one day. Absolutely. That was lots of fun. I appreciate it. All right. You bet. We'll take care, buddy. If you want more information to multiply your health and simplify your lifestyle, visit our website at excelpodcast.com. Until next time, have an outstanding day.